Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Some of these stories contain sensitive content about real life events, and all of the information in this podcast and from anywhere on the Be Better Media website is for informational purposes only. If you find that you need help, which we all do from time to time, please reach out to a licensed professional for help. This week I talked with Guy Takashima, father of four, former pastor, coach, and spiritual mentor with a mission to empower others to connect to the deepest parts of themselves. You won't want to miss the insight he has gained through understanding his relationship to ego through his own life story and the belief he has in everyone's ability to grow through the most painful experiences in our lives. I am so excited to have this conversation. We've been talking about it for a while. We tried to schedule it a couple months mm-hmm. back when I was less mobile, and we finally made it today. Yeah, so, so excited to be here. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we're going to get right into it. You and I met because of volleyball, but our friendship has deepened so much mm-hmm. just because of our quest for that spiritual journey and the mind-body-spirit connection. And so from volleyball, we went to topics a lot deeper, but... Um, when our boys played volleyball together we met and i started to hear about some of your coaching you have a coach's brain which i'm always attracted to i love to talk coaching so um for all the volleyball fans out there give me a little bit about your volleyball background before we get into the deeper stuff so i um initially uh was playing volleyball at westmont college in santa barbara small christian college and started uh and this was purely because I just love volleyball. So I worked with the girls team. So I started that and just loved the, the, the coaching, you know, and loved the strategy. And, and I think because I was always height challenge, I was always thinking, like, how, what what little thing can I do or how can I maximize everything? And so that's how I initially started, just being an assistant coach up there. And then after I graduated college, just um, started at um, South High School as a frost-off coach, and then just kind of kept coaching after that. Started doing club and just loved it. So and that's kind of how I you started. coached some of your kids at South. Right? Yeah, I did. I okay. coached uh, boys and girls. Boys and girls. Okay. Yeah, actually, my only my daughter played at South. Luke okay. played at Redondo. So I didn't, okay. I didn't coach him in high school, but I coached his club team. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, you have a really good story from your South High School volleyball. Oh, your I do. girls. So okay. just one good volleyball. Okay, one story. good volleyball. Story. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't remember telling you this. So um, we were in state playoffs, and at the time, South Torrance had never gone, you know, to to state or CIF. But they had gone to CIF finals. We were in state, and I forget the school, but we traveled quite a quite a distance, and we got there, and um, we really had only a, some of the parents, and as far as you know, um, you know, supporters or fans, or whatever, and then a lot of the administration from the school. And it was a, a gym that was packed with their parents, everything, you know. And it was um pretty good-sized gym, but I just remember the vibe was so, like, just against us, you know. Yeah. You could feel it. They were yeah. loud, cheerleaders, everything. And so we went there, and I remember um, game one, it just, everyone was off. Everything was off. They're shanking balls, missing serves. It's just off, you know. And I, um, so we lose game one. Um Kind of a battle, not really. Game two, we get crushed, you know, and they're just falling apart. Um, and I'm kind of just like watching this happen. Like I did call a couple subs and, you know, nothing. Everything I do, timeouts, nothing happens. And so um, we lose the second game 
And um, I remember looking around, and I looked up at the admin, you know, the principal's there, AD, okay. and they just looked yeah. like, oh, well, you tried, you know? <laughs> it was just, it was no just, pity. Yeah, pity. it was just yeah. like this, it was just, and I look around the, the, the stands, everyone's screaming and yelling, and I'll never forget this, I looked at our captain, and, and she looked me in the eye, and her look was just like, we can't do this, you know? And she was a, like, strong, never, ever doubted anything. She was just this super amazing athlete and, and mentally tough. Long story short, I just got, I just had this feeling like we, this, we gotta leave here. So I go, let's leave, you know? And so I go, follow me. And so we left the gym and the whole crowd started jeering, like, go home, you know? And they're just yelling stuff. Like, and it was yeah. just like, yeah. So we got outside and, and I'm trying to think what to say. And I said, you guys, girls, you know, I'm so proud of you. We've come so far. And I said, there's no way we're going to end our season like this. There's just no way, you know. I don't care if we lose. I just, I really don't. You guys yeah. know that. I go, but I've always preached and taught and said, you know, we give it our all. No matter what happens, we go all out. And then we can be proud of who we are and our effort. And I said, so if we lose, let's lose. But let's go back in there and freaking fight and look those girls in the eye and do the best we can, you know. And that way, if when we drive home we're going to feel okay. And we're going to, you know, I said, let's, if we're going to lose, let's lose like winners. Mm -hmm. And so the girls kind of got fired up and we went back into the gym and we just got a little rally. They started getting their momentum and we won game three, which was super close. Game four, super close. And then game five, we demolished them. And and they got, they got scared. You know, know, I love love volleyball because of the momentum shift and it just happened. And, that was probably my, my most favorite volleyball story. Yeah. Well, and it's all, and that, I love that story because it, it encapsulates the, the mental side of the game, right? Yeah. And just that, you know, letting go of your fear and playing free, which is like my favorite thing to watch in athletes yeah. is when they just go for it. And then and, I got to one more yeah, if I can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so my first at this club, which will remain nameless, I was coaching. Yeah. I, I came in halfway through the season and um, it was a, I think it was a 12. 12 team? 12 team. Okay. And my son was 10, so he got to play oh, on that team. Guy. So it was really cute. Yeah. So, um, and then the first tournament, we start playing. They're playing, they're playing. And it gets like, we're kind of close, 5-5, five, 7-7. Five, seven, seven, and then it was like 8, 9, 10. You know, and my guys just give up. They just give up. So I guess I got to tell a humbling story. And... Um, and so I come in timeout. I'm like, it's like, you know, I'm like, what's going on? You guys have just given up. Like, I can't understand this. You know, I go, I go, what did your coach tell you? Like the coach that, you know, what did he say when you got in these situations? And, and they go, sometimes you just got to get used to losing. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say that that was a different season, you know, yeah. took some time and, and turn around and actually now come to think of it. Um, one of the players on that team, his name was Eric and he, um, played you know up in pv he was mm-hmm. five ten, and he got a full ride at d1 wow and his mom just sent me a, a highlight reel of his but he was like this pretty phenomenal outside hitter and and you know got to play at a d1 level at five ten, which is which crazy is yeah difficult to do and he was from that 12 state. yeah oh, that's and so, so he became like the only kid who kind of got started getting fired up and started believing you know yeah that he do anything yeah so. well one of the best interviews i've done and it came out of a podcast that i recorded last week but um her advice um jennifer ketty who just played at avp manhattan and she was like i had a sponsor tell me one time like you don't get better when you're winning mm. so it's like you learning to use that wow. edge when the chips are down and learn you know that's just that's where the discipline kicks in that ability to not quit and and that really the hard things we go through 
are meant to sharpen us yeah. and make us better, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then that's what takes us to the spiritual journey, where when you and I started chatting, we were both going through divorces mm-hmm. at the time. We each have four kids, and there's just, I mean, talk about a loaded, heavy time of life when you're just kind of, you know, that you're reeling, you're looking for the truth, you're looking for how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And so we connected on some of those conversations, and it helped me understand spiritually where you were coming from. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, after coming through college and everything, where, how your spiritual journey got, got started. Yeah, so I grew up in um, a family that wasn't religious or spiritual at all. And then growing up through high school, kind of dabbled in Catholicism. There was a Catholic church close, so I went there and, and Christian, some Christian churches. But nothing really took root. And, and, and there was also a little bit of like, this doesn't make sense. And I asked questions and didn't feel that comfortable. And, and then um, when I went to college, I did go to a Christian school um, because I, I wanted to play sports. And it was a small school, so I was able to play some sports there. And... Um, but my, I would say my faith was still really um, formulating, and I was a religious studies major um, in education minor because I wanted to just learn about stuff. I knew there was something to God, spirituality, but I just didn't really find it. So that was powerful to go through and learn about a lot of different religions to kind of just see different, you know, just be exposed to a lot of stuff. And the great thing is, even though it was a Christian school, they gave you a lot of a broad view of things, which I, I was, love. Yeah, and I was just, that's what was catching my ear. It was, so you're at a Christian college, and but you're religious study, so they, they you were allowed to study all all the different like, yeah. major religions of yeah. the world. And it was it was Westmont College in Santa Barbara, yeah. and their liberal arts college, and to their credit, they didn't say, yeah, this is what you should believe. They said, this is the scope of what's believed out there. Yeah. Some people believe this, some people, you know, and it was... I still remember going, well, what am I supposed to believe? Like, you got to figure that out. And, yeah. and that was beautiful. So after college, though, I, I really um, wanted to pursue making a ton of money and felt that pull to be, quote, unquote, successful in that way. So I really, um, you know, kind of pushed my faith and all that kind of stuff aside and started pursuing, you know, a career. I got into sales and um, did really well, you know. It was you know, like three years. I was managing, you know, two aerospace companies. Like I was the sole rep for a company, and and doing really well. And and yet during that time, I think I always had this feeling that there was more. That that my I guess the best way to say it is spiritually. I just felt that part of me was shrinking and shrinking, you know. Um, and that that really led to kind of a, a crisis, you know, where I was I had you know all the money I wanted I had you know I was living in Hermosa partying a lot and but I just was super empty felt very um isolated mm-hmm. you know and and really lacking any genuine connection and you know it was just the, the stupid party scene you know doing a lot of drugs doing all that stuff and and um there came a moment when I just I honestly just said, I'm done. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and and I remember thinking this. I've attained everything I wanted to attain. Uh-huh. The house, the motorcycle, the car, the, the girlfriend, all that stuff. And I was just like, but I was just dead inside. And um, kind of got on my knees and just said, I need help. Like, I can't do this. And I literally heard a voice clear as day say, go to Hope Chapel and do whatever they say. Like, clear as day. And I was like shocked but felt that resonate in me and yeah. and then I went to Hope Chapel mm-hmm. walking right the door yeah PCH yeah. and Artesia and yeah. knocking the doors and asked to meet with the pastor 
And in the conversation, you know, I just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. This is what's going on. I feel like I'm, I need to connect with God. And, and I never get his words. He said, well, if you're serious, I want you to come here and be a janitor. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, if you're serious, if you really mean this, I, you need, I want you to come here. And I go, and I said, are you asking me or are you telling me? He said, I'm telling you to do that, which is weird. That he how said, did you? How, yeah, how did that feel? Like, it felt really controlling and yeah, kind of weird. Like he yeah. was the person was kind of standoff. It was it kind of offended me, but yeah. I just heard those words, do whatever, do whatever they say, and so I said, okay. So I so you were submitting to something higher, yeah. not to the guy. Who yeah, was no, because those words were clear. Like it yeah. just resonated in my whole being. Like this is what I need to do, and I was done with just all the other stuff. Yeah, and, and so I started as a janitor there, and then was really happy so the the previous job with the stress and the sales and the the suit and all that stuff i went from that to wearing this janitor outfit and i just it was like i love the saying you know carry water and chop wood just yeah. carry water and chop wood and i my ego went through a lot you know yep. of feeling like oh i'm driving this cool car i've got my nice watch you know and, and yep. to just being a janitor but I, I felt something inside began to change and I think it was that I was just sick of that facade, you know, yeah. the facade of like acting like I had my poop together and yeah. acting like everything was good to just like, I, I don't care. I'm just and gonna... what the world tells you is going to make you happy. Yeah. Right. And it was a total lie. Yeah. Total lie. You yeah. Know? And I'm just lucky that it only took me three years to get to that point. Right. Right. So and that was it all. three years from graduation from college through the professional yeah. cycle. Like three, about three, yeah. three and a half, four years. That's okay. when I started. So I start there as a janitor. And so then, you're a pretty quick learner, by the way. Yeah, you very, talk to a lot of people that you know don't hit that until mid forties, right? Where they're like at the top of everything, and yeah. So I, you're, you're you're quick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't take her for that because yeah. I when it's not working, it's pretty clear. And yeah. For me, I did say, yeah, this is not working. So what's really interesting is I got promoted, yeah. and I got promoted, I got promoted, and I was volunteering a lot. And like I think four years, four years later, they asked me to come on staff as a pastor. To replace the guy who interviewed me. Oh my goodness! And what's really strange is, so yeah, I had this bad interaction with this this guy. He ended up leaving, and they asked me to kind of take his place because I honestly was a little offended at his that situation, right. and, yeah. and ended up that I replaced him, which is ironic. But I remember that was a really big deal because in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm not a pastor, like you know, like yeah, that that's imposter not, syndrome. Yeah, really kick in that's strong, totally right? kicked in. Yeah, and um. And I had met a, a gal that we were engaged to be married right at the same time. And so I was talking to her a lot about this, like, oh, my gosh, like, should I do this? And, and so we decided yes. So I, I decided yes and started pastoring there um, volu- you know, from a volunteer to overseeing some of the ministry stuff. Okay. And um, were you – because I know you – got to be head pastor but you were working were, what, what age group were, were you working with yeah so I started they brought me on to oversee the college group okay. so I was doing that yeah. and then um, kind of that journey was crazy so I kept getting more things to do and, and different promotions until um, about 10 years in the senior pastor um, said that if I wanted to I could stay there and take over the church and if I didn't, that he thought I'd make a really good senior pastor. And, I, and he said, you know, it's probably going to be at least 10 years before I retire. But if you want, I, th- I want you to maybe think about starting another church and planning a church. And they were really big on planning a church. So he just okay. said, look, I'll, I'll support you. I'll, I'll back it financially so you can get that started. So 
took so a big left, left hope Chapel. and started a church in my garage with you know like yes. a small little group of people like five couples and um and then the crazy thing and four years later we were in a 10 million dollar building with 60 employees and managing this school and this church and four years later yeah yeah that's another one <laughs> i know and this is what i've noticed about you and in our friendship is like anything you go into mm-hmm. you go in like wholehearted all like jumping in and you go and you're successful mm-hmm. like you really go hard and it turns out because you're smart you're dedicated all of these things but it's like we've talked about really in transformation when you get behind like what the motivating factors are right that's where the real like good stuff is yeah um and so like when you look at this transition from janitor to uh, planting a whole new church that's that successful those motivating factors behind that like tell me a little bit about what you've discovered there. yeah that's the crazy part so that happens and i still remember looking like oh my gosh you know like I can't believe I'm doing all this. Imposter syndrome was still pretty much at work, though. I just felt like, gosh, like, you know. Um, that fake it till you make it. Yeah, and I really yeah. felt sometimes, like, sometimes I would get up and teach, and I felt like there's this cardboard image of pastor guy that I would hold up, you know. And and at the same time, I was coaching, and I and I just did not feel connected. Didn't feel really connected to my, my true self, you know. And, yeah. And it was always this idea, like, okay, all these people are looking at me. I have to keep this image up, you know. And and um, and as time went on, and even like before, once I kind of got to that point that I was shooting for, I was. I remember on Sunday going home, going, yeah, this is just. There's got to be more to it than this, you know. Mm-hmm. I reached this pinnacle of what I thought was this spiritual leader, you know. I'm pastoring this good sized church and all this stuff, and um, and my ego was definitely well taken care of you know because people are treating me like i'm special i go to our our school campus and everyone's like oh you know it just that whole thing you mm-hmm. know of personality worship or even leadership you know yeah. and and but inside i had that same sinking feeling i did before which is like there's this is not it you know <clears throat> and i definitely began to feel that same empty, that same frustration, that same like, gosh, this is this is not fulfilling me. This is not yeah. really connecting did, to my deep, you know, my true self. Did you feel like in that time that there was, as you're doing all of this and accomplishing all this, that like you were able to still go and talk to God or talk to Jesus and be like, you know, what's going on here? Like, I, help me? I or? did, but at the same time, I think there was this huge blind spot for me that I tried and I always felt like this hole, the emptiness, this kind of lack of connection, I guess is another way to put it, was was rooted that I'm not spiritual enough. You know, so yeah. so my mind, it never went to this other place of like, hey, like show me what's missing. It's like, oh, what's missing is I don't pray enough or I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I said that cuss word or yeah. I, you know, whatever, yeah. a million little things where I think God's keeping score. And I always felt like, oh, I just, if I was just more holy, if I was just more spiritual and, you know, prayed more, fasted, all those things, you know. Yeah. But but now looking back, I think I always felt like I was, you know, not worthy. And that, I just had to work on that. If I got that together, then things would be better. So I think that's why I never, hit, you know, kind of hit that place of brokenness. Yeah. So 
as you worked along and you're in this gigantic church and you're hitting these places, like at what point did you realize that Now, honestly, you were it wasn't until um, I had been doing that for 15 years and my wife at the time said, look, I, I don't, I don't want I can't do this anymore and I want a divorce. And at that point, things just kind of, you know, collapsed, you know, and then shortly after that, um, it kind of came to the point, well, if I, if I, because of the divorce and the turmoil that we were going through, that there would probably, if I stayed, there probably be a church split. Mm-hmm. Um, so I resigned. And okay. once I resigned, I still thought, like, I really thought things were okay. Like, you know, I'll resign, I'll do something else. But once I resigned and got away completely from that, um, I went into a really deep, dark collapse and and hit a hard bottom, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And because I moved out of the house, I was living in our beat-up RV in the back, and, and really like all the accolades, all the people who wanted my time. You know, I had a, uh, an assistant, personal assistant that was just, you know, these 10 people want to meet with you, blah, blah, blah. How do we fit them in? Who do you not want to meet with? You know, my phone blowing up, her phone blew up to like no calls, no text, nothing. So there was this huge crisis, you know, identity yeah. crisis, my value, like what's my worth? What am I doing? And, um, and that was a, uh, definitely an emotional bottom that I hit and I can just say I was really depressed you know I even had thoughts like uh, what am I doing on this world it might even be better if I died like I was really really dark 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 place yeah and all the while you you're raising four kids Mm -hmm. they were I know you had one still in high school Mm -hmm. and I've met your kids and they're all amazing so clearly through all of this turmoil like you guys are doing some things really right because your kids are amazing. Right, but I think happened that I regret most is during those two, three years, you know, I was really resentful at God mm-hmm. and and just shut down and even shut down from them. So those last couple years were really painful for my kids to see um, my ex and I fight and, and the divorce and all that stuff. But prior to that, I think things were pretty um, good, you know, in our home and but yeah, that took a toll on everybody. Um, I realized then that I think definitely was super resentful against God. You know, I served you all these years. I did all this for you. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and so that led to an interesting thing because I just basically said, you know, I, I'm, I'm done. And I started really pursuing different faith traditions and I was really resentful. But the beautiful thing about that is as I looked into different faith traditions and different exploring different things, you know, yoga meditation just doing a lot of spiritual reading like my my world opened back up and then um, the beautiful thing is I started being being able to reconnect with God and and I, you know I did a lot of uh, work in, on myself with recovery and some 12-step work which really helped me have a connection with a higher power that started all over again yeah. and so that's been an amazing journey and that's something that I is so important to me and I love the way that we talk because that's a space in the world where I feel like I almost feel nervous sometimes because I, you know, you, I never want to just for, for offend mm-hmm. a spiritual tradition, right? Because I see so much beauty in all of the spiritual traditions in the world. And even though I'm a Christian, I know that where we're born makes a difference, mm-hmm. what we're exposed to makes a difference. And honestly, like that spiritual quest is in every single person that's mm-hmm. ever born. Mm-hmm. And the concept of just being able to 
open open the eyes of the next generation and I see a lot of what's going on in the world now and I feel like everyone's you know they're fleeing if you look at the mass market they're fleeing the spiritual traditions mm-hmm. in the name of oh separation of church and state and all of this like we are wired for connection mm-hmm. and connection truly comes I believe through the spiritual realm and if you turn that off and you just go mind body Without the spirit, it is, it's an empty, you, you run into a dead end. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, my question for you is how do you think the world can start to, because I do think there's an undercurrent of, of real spiritual teachings. I mean, there's so many books, there's yeah. so many. And once you're in that realm, you're, you're talking mm-hmm. with people, and there's a lot out there in the podcast world that I've been hearing lately about this, you know, spirituality and science and the intersection there. But um, on a practical level, what do you think will help the next, the younger generation and really anybody out there that's struggling with feeling judged or turning away from that spiritual mm. calling to kind of reconnect? Yeah, I think for me the important, the most important lesson is that every institution, faith, tradition, religion has great points yeah. and not so great points, you know. And and when we put something in the wrong place. Like I believe that if, if if I pursue God, if I pursue spirituality, if I pray, I'm gonna connect to, you know, you can call it whatever you want, higher power, God, source energy, love, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. If if our my heart is pure. But if I let something else take that place, you know, a priest, a pastor, a a, a teaching of anything and say this is gonna take that place, this this will take the place of that, it's it's idolatry. Yeah. So I think the right thing is to say, you know what, I'm gonna pursue my relationship spiritually with my God, my higher power, and and I will take whatever, you know, fits. So, you know, like as a pastor, the crazy thing to me is there's Hundred churches in our area, at least, yeah. you know, and every yeah. one of them teaches something different about the Bible, right? Yeah. Or we'll say yeah. this, this is this, and this guy, no, that doesn't mean this, and you right. just kind of go, what? Whereas I think if if the the pastors and priests, if everyone just took a, a maybe a step back and just said, this is my belief, you pursue your own belief, you find your own truth. This is mine, you know, because I think if we take all the spiritual writings and and give them that platform, mm-hmm. you know, of hey, there's some truth and maybe not some truth, and you have to find your own thing but I think what happens a lot is people put a church uh, a religion in a pet in a place where it's not supposed to be partially because I think a lot of churches and religious institutions position themselves like that mm-hmm. um, and to me that's taking an authority that they don't have you know yeah. that, so yeah. and then and then we get bitter and say oh they said that and oh this person's a hypocrite and, and we judge this right. these things and then we're like oh you know look at what that priest did or look at that pastor you know and, yeah. and then but it's like you know what we're all just you know we're all, we're all just these human tiny little human beings on a on this big rock that's spinning at you know what 700 miles an hour you know it's yeah. just it's just this it just it's a wrong we make the mistake of putting a religion or a teaching or a given posi- person a position that they, they should not have in our life and so i think if we do that and and yet everyone says you know i'm going to grow spiritually that's my responsibility and for me that's the essence of my joy and my happiness, my peace, my love. Like, if I'm not connected spiritually to God, then, yeah, it's I shrink into a, a pretty dark place pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Does that I, make kind of make it sense? It does, right? it does. And and I think you're getting at the heart of the difference between religion and faith. 
which is something that has really helped me as I've gone through challenges Mm -hmm. in my life and realizing that like one a belief system doesn't entitle you to um, some free ride Mm -hmm. of like you're Mm -hmm. not going to have hard times right to me that belief system is actually what holds us up (laughs) when we hit rock bottom right and everyone has a different rock bottom and Mm -hmm. I don't I hope that most people's isn't terrible rock bottom but when we hit it there is something in us that like our intuition knows Mm -hmm. and if you have some spiritual training to fall back on it is it's just so powerful Mm -hmm. and there is that moment and I've experienced it in my life I've told I've said it to a couple of different guests what like when Matthew fell in the pool and I wasn't sure he was going to survive this crazy peace that came over me you can't explain that I was beside myself, scared to death, and yet I ha- it was like being wrapped in a warm blanket. And you can't explain that away. You can't science that. That That is, there's no, it's, I don't know how you put data on that. But I'm so grateful that I have always had that feeling, and in that moment, the very most of like, it's going to be okay. Mm. And so that's what's always kept me going in that, that just that knowing but that doesn't have anything to do with religion. And I feel like so often now there's, you know, you can go with health, you can go with religion. We have these checklists, right? Then like you were saying, like if I prayed more, if I, it, or it's like if I fasted and then on the health, if I, oh, if I do my red light and I work out and I eat enough vegetables, and it's like, it's so unfulfilling. It's like finding your way and your way is going to be a little bit different than someone else's mm-hmm. way because that's part of the joy of getting to know yourself as a human being. And that's what God, to me, that's what God wants us to do. Yeah. So, but it's not that entitlement of, hey, you're going to give me a free ride and everything's going to be peachy keen because the truth is, like, the hard stuff is what makes us grow. And it's also what makes us seek spiritually. So, and I've definitely seen that through your story. So, um, how about... So going back to the to the church and when you walked away from all of that, what was it about when you say I couldn't do this anymore or we couldn't do this anymore? Like, what are some of the tangibles of like I couldn't do this anymore? Oh gosh, I feel like you know um, it. It just I just I, I don't know how to say this, but lost the grace for it. It just. You know, I was doing it. I mean, I, I really believe that through our intuition that God speaks to us. And we all have a life path that, that's that been laid out for us. You know, an ideal path that, that we're created for, we're made for. Like, we all have these different visions and goals and desires. And, and honestly, I feel like I missed my off-ramp. I really did. And I just didn't, I, I felt like I was supposed to try to start a new you know, um, ministry, a nonprofit for working with recovery, and I just said no. I just felt a strong urge. So you you stayed in the church. I stayed in the church. When you know, that the was maybe pulling. And and what kept what what? Well, it was, was the pull? you know I had a I had uh, my st- steady salary. I had three kids going to college. You know, everything was pretty set and mm-hmm. and was just not safe path it was a safe path and that seemed like the right mental trajectory that I was supposed to go on like oh this makes sense didn't want to risk it all and start all over again mm-hmm. and um, to me that's a marker because after that I see I saw a steady decline uh, in just my motivation the 
the the grace upon what I was doing just things just started feeling harder and my spiritual life started you know going down so I feel like that to me was a, you know I missed that off ramp yeah. and I didn't I didn't pursue my dreams you know I took the safe path and yeah. and not what my heart was calling me to do hey I hope you're enjoying this chat as much as I am for more great content courses and lifestyle go to bebettermedia.tv and so often our heart is telling us to take the leap, but it's that always. fear. That the fear, the fear. Always the fearful thing is what yeah. I think is now. I look at like what's of these options, what's the scariest? And usually that's the one, you know, yeah. because it's tied into something inside of me that needs work and, and you know, is rooted in something that's not, you know, um, of my true self or how, you know, if I believe that there's a God that just has this amazing life for me and, and no dream is too big, right? No, no it's calling. It's so if freeing. I, and it's hard to oh, get to that hard. space. Yeah, it is hard. so hard, especially when I'm going back to you talking about that feeling of unworthiness. And that's deep. And I've I've felt that. And it will hold you back. And it'll it, tell you lies. And it's it's a dark, dark place. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's what hinders most of us. From, yeah. Is that, you know, that inside voice that just says, well, you're not worthy or you're, you're not smart enough or you're not this or that. And I think yeah. that always, you know, just... You just can't keep going. You can't take those leaps and move forward with that inner voice that's negative. Yeah, yeah. And you have you have some really cool ways, um, creatively and practically, to deal with the the inner talk. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. But you want to talk about some? Sure, of Sure, I would love to. Um, yeah. yeah. One of the things I, I did is first I, I um, wrote down those negative voices and that that neg- those negative statements and just you know you're not um, you're not worthy of love you're never going to be successful or people um, don't really like you or you're an imposition so I just began to write down those thoughts you know if people really knew you they wouldn't like you if you know just yeah Yeah. all those thoughts and so I began to write them down and then um, I made a commitment that whenever one of those thoughts popped in my head I would say another thought that's a positive for it and just said I'm not going to think these because you know um our thoughts obviously uh, manifest in our emotions, and our emotions then dictate the outcomes of our life. So I began to just have positive statements. You know, you can do this. You are worthy. People love you. You know, you're you're not. You know, you're you're smart. You're handsome. You're all these things because those, none of that felt natural. And at first, it felt very unnatural to say those things. It just felt like an, I'm, I'm like, well, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'd heard enough and learned enough that I had to change my thoughts. So that was a, the first step, I think. Can I interject sure. in there? Because um, I love the way you're talking. Because what I have learned through some training that I've done with um, Emily Hightower, she's with Shift Adapt, and she does amazing like yoga, breathing, and movement. And she has a, a um, training. It's called Neuro Nidra, and when she explained the way our brain works in this training and the way you were saying you are loved or mm-hmm. you, you know you are strong or whatever that affirmation is that you were replacing your negative thoughts were the pronoun you speaks to your limbic brain which is where is this our safety center right that's the thing in our brain that is meant to keep us safe and when we use like a lot of time you'll hear about positive self-talk mm-hmm. right and if you use those statements with an I, you're talking to your executive functioning brain. And if your executive function, if you say, I am strong, I am loved, and your executive, fun- but your limbic brain doesn't 
absorb it. It doesn't believe that pronoun. It doesn't believe what you're saying. You're setting yourself up for disaster, hmm. right? Because you're not, if you say it and then it doesn't pan out, you trust yourself less. Okay. So when you start using, when you use that you pronoun, you're talking to your limbic brain, your, your brain and yourself, you start to feel safe. Oh my God. You start to believe it. And that, like, that was a game changer for me. I, I was like, that is, and that's neuroscience. To me, that's neuroscience meeting spirituality. That's, that's and awesome. it was a total game changer. So anyway, I just, no, I, that's I, good. I, I, that. I like that. And, and, you know, I think like Dr. Carolyn Leaf talked about neurological pathways and mm -hmm. I learned a lot from, from her and, and that, you know, our brain has just pathways, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser or I'm stupid. You know, we get told something yeah. by a teacher or a coach yeah. who knows what. And, and we go, yeah, we make an agreement. And then a neurological pathway gets yeah. ingrained. And we, every time we make a mistake, we do this, we do this, you know, I forget something. Oh, God, I'm so dumb, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. But when you stop that statement and start saying a, a positive statement, that neurological pathway will actually shrink up and a new one can form. Yeah. So, you know, our brain is just, it's a, it's a, yeah, man. so yeah. that, that was a big game changer for me. Um, and then, you know, also I think beginning to identify that there's like fragmented parts of me and, and just, just going, you know what, there's a, there's a, I, I like to call him guy guy. There's this little boy that is afraid and, and grew up in a home that maybe wasn't the safest. So I always was worried about what's going on. How's this going to pan out? I have to take care of myself. And, and I realized that that part of me that child you know the inner child needs yeah. to feel safe and so I, I talk to him you know and just say hey you're going to be okay guy guy and, and we're okay god's going to take care of us and it's okay you're afraid you know of life and this and this but it's going to be okay and and then i have another i have i call him angry protective guy okay. so he's the one who's just going to not you know he's going to fight anybody who is a threat and and i work with him like yeah i get that that person said that and you really want to beat him up but you know that's probably not good for us and you know just learning to accept and love those parts of me that's also been a kind of crazy but it works so i think like if it works it's not too crazy and, and that's really helped me a lot yeah no it's like really good shadow work right there it's it's and it's so important because the things that we leave in the like that we leave in the dark they just like they just grow yeah they grow and they, yeah and they, it's it feels yucky and then you can't figure out why you can't get yep, to this yep. door that you want to go through and it then you know it, like subconsciously you know that's over there yep but it takes a lot of courage to like turn your head and acknowledge it yeah and, and you know and for a long time i felt so weird doing some of this stuff you know yeah. like am i but but immediately began to see a, a, a results and breakthroughs. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just a firm believer in all of that kind of stuff. You know, I have a regular meditation practice. You know, I, I do yoga. I do a lot of stuff that just, for me, it's getting out of my monkey brain, you know, yes. and getting away from all the thoughts, the fears, and what about this, what about that, and breathing into, you know, my, my true spiritual self, which yeah. is always connected to God and always at peace, always filled up with love and, and safe. But it takes work to get there, you know. And that's another thing. I never had a spiritual practice like that before. Yeah. Yeah, and there's such a difference between throwing up that prayer and just expecting everything to happen and mm -hmm. actually finding the discipline that God wants us to have mm -hmm. to be able to bring things to fruition in this world, yep. right? And do it in a way that is fulfilling to us and not just taxing. And that's where I love we get I love that concept of sustainable high performance mm -hmm. because I think without that feeling of there is something bigger than me, and there's a whole world going on around. It's not, I am not alone. Mm. 
And even though I'm attached to my goals, I am not my goals. I am not this quest to get to somewhere. Because really, when you realize this evolving path, I always like to say the more I learn, the less I realize I know. So I am super skeptical of anyone who thinks they've got the plan or this is how you do it. Because one, I think there's a million different ways to do it for it and for everyone because we're all different. And two, the more you learn, the less you know. And staying curious on that path is what is the key to longevity. Like that is what helps us. For sure. You know, yeah. it, ener- it energizes your day. And then all of a sudden the time's going and you're, you're you know, doing what you want to do. But it's it's a it's a it's a journey so but there's two areas that I'm thinking of that could be really helpful for people out there one I think the spiritual quest for men out there is is it's a little bit of a different path than for females I feel like it's a lot more acceptable for women to to have this conversation and I think sometimes men have been told like you know just man up toughen up you can get through it and we're all human. Yeah. Like it's not. So can you talk a little bit about? Yeah, that's a great work? question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of, you know, I think growing up, you know, when you think about like if you're on the junior high playground, the elementary school playground, you know, you're, yeah. you're third, second grade and you look at recess and, and the girls are in groups of two or three. They're sitting talking and they're talking about who they like and their weekend and they're just, they're connecting. They're having this emotional connection If they're playing a game it's usually not competitive, right? It's hopscotch or something where you, you know what I mean? You're doing something together and there's not this like, and you look at the boys, they're in huge groups, 10, 20, and they're straight competition, you know? And it's straight, I'm going to kick your butt and you're, you know, you're a little weakling or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just this, we grew up in this environment. So I think as guys, especially in sports and athletes, you know, it's, it's very competitive, very head on. I win, you lose. And, we take that mentality into life, you know? And so for me, you know, it was even in, in my marriage, it was, I'm going to win, you know? And if we have an argument, I'm going to win. And it was, you know, I didn't know how to commit, uh, connect. And I know there were times with, with my ex where I just like, you're like, you want to connect to my heart, but I don't have a heart like that. It just doesn't work like that, oh, you know? And I'm like, I know you want to, but sorry, there's not, it's I don't okay. have that capacity. It's just not there. I really felt that. And, um, which was sad because I looked at her like, I know what you want, but yeah, it's just not there. And, and so, um, no surprise that we got divorced. And, and then as I, like I talked about the journey I went on after that, the spiritual journey and began to see examples of, of men, spiritual men who were in touch with their emotions in touch with their spirituality in touch with that part of it. And it was kind of, I began to just go, wow, there's something here, you know? And I think, uh, where I was at spiritually and emotionally, I was really broken. Like I said, I was really depressed, struggling with, you know, a lot of just darkness. And to me, the breakthrough moment came when I asked someone for help. And I, I just said, look, I'm really struggling. And I'd never really done that, you know. And I just said, I'm really struggling. I need help. And and began to develop this capacity to be vulnerable and to share my heart and to really even share my emotions, you know. And, and for me, that was really, really difficult a, because I didn't even know what emotions I had, but B, then to just let begin to let out. And, and I'll never forget um, sharing and talking, and, and, and I cried. You know, mm-hmm. I just, this stuff just, my eyes began to leak, and I began to cry. And, and this guy that I knew who had been in prison, you know, been part of gangs, 
pretty darn sure he killed multiple people, but mm-hmm. he was a friend. And as he as he came up to me, and gave me a hug, and I'll never get his words. He says, "You know, guy, it takes a real man to cry." And that moment, kind of, I just looked like, "Here's this, you know, man of men, you know, baddest ass I've ever known." Yeah. And and when he said that, I'm like, you know what? My tears. That was harder to cry than any manning up, any acting like I'm cool or strong together. Like, compared to that moment of crying, like, yeah, that took way more courage. And that moment, I kind of made the decision, like, you know what? I want to learn how to be genuine. I want to learn how to be in touch with my emotions. And so that was the beginning for me to say, you know what? I've got, I want to have a heart. I want to have connection. I have to have this because I was dead, you know? And life wasn't worth anything at that point. So I think for, for men, it's really hard to, to realize we've been conditioned to act a certain way that's super unhealthy, you know? Yeah. And, and along with that, we've been taught to act in a way that makes it impossible for women to connect to us when every man wants a connection with a woman, you know? Yeah. Like our deepest need or desire is in a relationship to feel valued, to have a woman look at us and go, you're amazing, I love you, you know? Mm-hmm. But we think if I'm strong and independent and I that that's going to get it and it doesn't and right now it's so interesting that there's a big movement for women to say like where are the men who can talk and I can have a, a genuine connection with you know her emotionally available yeah. and but we've gotten that I feel like that space is so confused right now mm-hmm. because there's so much trying to identify the roles mm-hmm. right and it's like I think everybody ideally would like to be in a relationship that is just two people walking mm-hmm. alongside each other and I was talking with my roommate about this last night it's like you're walking alongside each other. There's nobody has to be put in a box or have power over. Mm-hmm. It's this power with mm-hmm. concept that allows two people to grow and, you know, evolve through life. But if you get into a position where one has power over, and it really can happen. I, I've seen it happen both ways, mm-hmm. you know, in, in sure. marriages. And it's, or any kind of relationship. But you don't want to get into that position where it's power over another. Yeah, and I think that... To me, the balance is, I think we all have masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And and it's, for men, I don't think they understand that to have a healthy relationship, you have to have both, you know? And even for women. Within yourself. Yeah, within yourself. Yeah. And, and we kind of go back and forth and have different things at different times. But, but in order to have, I think, a healthy life, I have to be able to share my emotions. I have to be able to connect to people on an emotional level. You know, I have to be able to... Um, let be vulnerable with somebody and even share my insecurities or my fears or, or this and if I you know all through my marriage it was like I had no problems I was the man I was going to you know fulfill this role and this um, and it, it just it ended up me being you know distanced from other. my ex and, and yeah, yeah and I could never really connect and so I think the key is to just say you know for I guess for guys is to just say like you know you have to, if you're going to ever have a healthy life and healthy relationships, you know, you have to have that aspect, be connected to that part of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that, the other thing I was thinking as the father of four kids, and you've said, like, you, you've you gone through some hard times, and I think, honestly, I, to me, that is probably the signature of good parenting mm. on some level, is actually allowing yourself to go through hard times and acknowledging that you're going through hard times and realizing you know in most situations parents and kids they really do love each other mm-hmm. and when we go through this stuff there's something to learn and trusting that it will come back together mm-hmm. the way it should but um in this 
transition to you know of being vulnerable and gen- genuine what are some of the things that have um, you've seen in your relationship with your kids oh my gosh that's a great question yeah my relationship with my kids were less five years has drastically changed you know and I think um, one of the big ones for me was realizing how much of my ego and how much of my identity was in my kids being a certain way and I and I I think I was pretty good about not driving them you know as a the sports dad you know I definitely did to some extent but I also like if any time they didn't want to play sports I was okay like I really but their behavior, their character, their morality, a lot of the other things reflected on me, you know, and and that I think was the damaging thing is I, I just, you know, they're them. And and I've since in the last five years been able to just say, you do you, and, and that's okay. Whatever you is, that's okay, you know, and begin to separate myself from them and, and realize, you know, my, my kids, um, my love, the best way I can manifest my love is say, you're good just as you are. And it's not, I used to like coach them and teach them, well, you gotta be careful about this situation. Oh, I want, you know, and it was like, if I give you the information and I do this and I set you up for success, then, you know, I'm a good parent. But no, I think, you know, what I want as a son is my mom to just say, hey, you're great, you're gonna be okay. I believe in you, you know, like that's not, oh, you need to do this, this and this, or be careful of this, or, you know. You need to change this and this, and so I've really been able to shift away from my identity being in them, and and you know, and and again, it was not like I'm like you have to be this way, but subtly there is undercurrents of messages that they weren't okay as they were, and that's yeah. a powerful, powerful unconscious communication. Like if I help too much, I'm really saying you're not capable. You know, if I take care of this for you, then, you know. And so in some ways, I'm, I'm kind of a lot less involved. Like, hey, that's your, you got to figure that one out. And, and I'm here to support you on this level. But, you know, you got to kind of figure that one out. And, and or just saying, you know, um, you know, I love you. I believe in you. I'm here for you. And, and the beautiful thing is just recently, you know, some of my kids have called me and said, hey, I need some advice. Which I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah, because for, Yeah, for yeah. them to say that, it's like everything in my heart just feels so good. Because honestly, I've just really tried hard not to give advice, not to coach anymore and just let them be. So, um, yeah, it's been a, quite a journey, you know. And, and, yeah, I love my kids. They've all, they're all pursuing their dreams and doing great things. So it's, it's amazing. But so yeah, proud of them. I, I, you're, I've met them, and they're they're incredible kids. And it is cool. This is such a great stage of parenting, right? Yeah. I mean, you're a little bit ahead of me, but just this concept of like being able to really enjoy them, yeah. and knowing we've gone through all of this stuff, but that coming back together is, you know, it's it's, it's a pretty great setup. Like yeah. just the way that we get to enjoy our kids now. So, yeah. and you know, I think the last thing I'll say is like, you know, yeah. I have to humble myself and admit yeah. I've been wrong and say I'm sorry make amends do things differently you know and, and really it's like it's it's well, my job you know to change it's my job to to to, 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 to adjust because they're all different too and that was a trick it's like realizing that what one child needs for love and support is completely different than another and learning to be in their world you know and, and support and love them in the way they want and need yeah that is a huge realization because it is so true and they are all different and yeah. there is no cookie cutter there's no recipe book i always say parenting's an art not a science mm-hmm. like there is not a real set way to figure this all out but what were some of those things that helped you when you say you had to humble yourself because i think as a parent that is a really hard thing to do because we're 
we feel like we're supposed to be in charge mm-hmm. and we're supposed to know, right? Yeah. And yet we're human and we make mistakes and we walk certain paths and that's part of, like it's hard for kids to see their parents as a human, right? Mm-hmm. And what were some of the, how, how did you humble yourself, would you say? In yeah, I think, I think, you know, it, part of it was definitely um, going through an immense process of saying, I'm sorry I did this, I know I treated you this way, but the main thing is changing my behavior, you know? That's mm-hmm. the hard part is, you know, I'm a stage of my life where uh, words are really cheap, you know, and yeah. I don't really place too much value on that. It's how you act will show me who you really are, and how you act is going to show me how you really value me. So, you know, I've just um, tried hard to, to value my kids and show them through my behavior that I'm going to show up for them, you know, and I'm there to help them out. And, um, yeah, quick story is uh, one of my daughters lives in Australia, and we spent some time there. I spent some time there, and... We had a we had a hard time and she basically said to me you know you during the divorce you you know I was really mad you were angry you were bitter you treated me poorly and it's hard for me to trust you and and there was a little part of me that you know the little angry guy is like well you did you know like you don't understand and I was going through all, and, I, and but I was able to just say I understand and and I'm sorry and I'm here to make it right and I'm here to make it up to you. And, and and I generally had that shift in perspective. Like, I can say all this stuff to justify, or I can just humbly just say, I'm here to show, I'm gonna show you someone different, you know? And and then just took some steps to do that, little baby steps, little tiny steps to try to be better in that arena. You know, I think we, at least for me, I get defensive, and then I'm like, oh, and I, you know, and, and all that energy is wasted, you know? it's like. It's like yeah. when you shank a pass, you don't go, oh, I'm so terrible. That does yeah. nothing for anybody. You know, it's yeah. the next point, and it's get your mind, you know, on the right thing. And so for that, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to show up. And the next day, I showed up for her, you know. Yeah. And and then, you know, it was so beautiful how that began to change. And, and I still remember her just saying, okay, you know, I, I forgive you. And, and she was willing to, to get back in that, and that was a beautiful thing. So... I don't know if that's. I know. I love that story. I uh, yeah, it's a very clear answer, and I just had the coolest analogy just popped into my head because um, these a lot of times these stories and these conversations come full circle for me. And um, what I realize about you is that you know when you talk about elite athletes and they're really when you're coaching an elite athlete and they are able to make changes physically quickly yes, right yes. you'll be like oh I saw you you you, you know you dropped your elbow now on this next one I, I, I want your elbow higher and then do it the next time right um you're like an elite athlete of life like hmm. you learn quick oh, well, you make a- adjustments and to see where when I hear your stories and see like how these lightning bolts of truth come through for you and how you just you pivot hmm. and you battle through it and you change like, wow, that's a it's a really, really cool thing. And that's like, and, and then when you say you have that conversation with your daughter and then the next day you show up and you're like, what's the, you know, the small incremental changes I can make to help you trust me. Mm. Right. And that's, I mean, I don't think there's anything more foundational for the kids that we're raising today and for that whole next generation to know that like the generation above them is working hard to be a great example. Mm. And so that they can learn and that they can trust that they can do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's cool to see you do that in real life. And kind of leads me to my last question is just, um, I ask this of everybody that comes on, but what is a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Oh gosh, great question. Oh gosh, I feel like, 
I wish I could tell myself that inside of you is is your destiny like it's there your dream your destiny your passion your your life calling is in you but you you find it and pursue it and don't waste your time on anything else and I think I just look back at my life there are times when I definitely took different paths thinking that was going to make me happy or thinking that that was going to you know give me what I wanted but it really was just a lot of society's you know imprint of what success looks like or what is going to make me feel valuable or or um, successful or, or give me what I want which is that love yeah. and admiration and all those things you know but but stripping that away and, and, and you know I feel like my life's taken a couple different paths and now I'm at a point where like yeah man life's short I need to do what makes me happy and what I'm called to do yeah. and um, and that takes work, you know. It takes work of of kind of taking off the the filters that the world puts on us. You know, I think if you know here in the states, we've just got this very materialistic, very you know, um, vain you know outwardly um, an outward emphasis on looks, cars, all that stuff. You know, yeah. and it never lead. It just doesn't yeah. lead to anything. And and I would just say, just you yeah, have pursue your dreams and, and and go for that and, and find that. Yeah. I love it. And and this might be a loaded question because I didn't tell you I was giving you any background on this, but like do you have real clarity now on like if I said okay, what what is what do you I want do. your life to be? Yeah, now? I actually what is it? I do this crazy ritual in the morning. I, I have a, a red party cup on the outside of it. It's um successful, lucrative uh, recovery program. And I wanna work in recovery, I wanna help people with Jobs and, and helping um, young men and women in recovery to, to kind of break free of all that negative identity, all that shame. You know, it's a big it's thing huge. we can touch on that. But for me, shame is such a, a killer because shame always seeks out punishment, and therefore, that's always going to keep you. You know, and and we can never pursue our dreams if we have shame. And so, um, I drink a red cup. I put I pour water into this red cup, and I visualize that coming true. And I feel the vibe of it, and I and I see it, and then I drink it because water retains our intention and our vibration. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah, that's really clearly what I want to do. I want to help people and and see people, you know, fulfill their dreams. It's just exactly what you're doing. I think that's yeah. why we connect so much is to be the people we're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I've absolutely loved this conversation. And if people want to find you, where um, where can they reach out if they want um, to get in touch? They can reach me through my email, guytakashima um, at gmail.com. And, yeah, I do okay. um, spiritual mentoring. I love doing that. And, yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll put it all in the show notes. So, okay. Yeah. But thank you so much You're for so doing welcome. this. This was awesome. Yeah, and, uh, yeah always. Thank you so much for listening to What I Meant to Say. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. And for more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv.